0: Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. Today on Earth Matters, we yarn on treaty and self determination right here in Victoria. It was back in mid-December of 2016 when the Aboriginal Victoria Forum was held in Melbourne for some community mob to come together and yarn on a treaty and self-determination. It was a chance for local Victorian traditional owners and community members to hear the very latest on treaty from the Victorian State Government and it was a good opportunity for community members to ask various questions and to get up to date on where the treaty process is at right now in Victoria. Currently Aboriginal Victoria is conducting forums for community members around the state of Victoria and one of the most recent community consultations was held this last week as community gathered to meet with Victorian state government representatives on treaty and this meeting took place on Thursday at the Aborigines Advancement League in Thornbury, Melbourne. Coming up in this program, you'll hear from experts on treaties from right here in Australia and from Canada and New Zealand, and what does a treaty mean for Aboriginal and Islander people in Victoria? Soon you'll hear the latest on treaty from Celeste Haldane, a lawyer and the Acting Chief Commissioner at the BC Treaty Commission. Dr. Mark McMillan, Associate Professor, Melbourne Law School, Tanine Onis williams a member of the Victorian Aboriginal Interim Working Group, and you'll also hear from Dr. Carwin Jones, Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Law, University of Wellington, New Zealand. But first, let's hear from Jason Midsford, Executive Director, Aboriginal Victoria.
1: I think the panel discussion with the Interim Working Group there was exceptional. It's a great exchange between community and the, and the Interim Working Group members who are community, Um, And what you can see is there's a whole variety of difference, but not necessarily disagreement. Um, And I've I've seen that all along. I think there is way more agreement than disagreement. Um, And this has got multiple layers to it. So whether we're talking particularly around our our senior people in our community or our elders, whether we're talking about our younger people or anything in between, it's complex. Um, but I've, you know, I've got a great sense of optimism that you know today's moving forward in the direction that the community would uh, would hope it to be.
0: For those people out there in Radio Land who might be listening to us today, um, where would you say the process is right now on treaty in Victoria, Jason? Yes,
1: yeah, so I reckon. So I'll start at the end. So what the Premier and the Minister who reaffirmed this this morning has been very clear about is for a legislation process to commence in June next year. For that to happen, the community needs to continually reach agreement around what a representative body may entail. Because ultimately, until we can work out who mandates or negotiates on behalf of community, um, there's no negotiation to commence. So the first half of next year is a critical timeline for the community to come to an agreement around what a representative entity would look like to give the government permission to start a legislative process. So that's where I think we're at and I've got a great sense that the community will accept that opportunity and accept that challenge by way of moving into next year with that as a goal.
0: Lovely. And how are you feeling personally about the way that we're headed towards a treaty now, Jason? You must be very proud of the work you've done with your team and community. Yeah,
1: Yeah. look, it's a collective effort. I mean, my my role is very very insignificant, that ultimately you're sort of umpiring a couple of parts to this. You're umpiring the ability for, for the government to keep moving forward, but you also try to umpire the opportunity for the community to have a voice to move forward with. So my role isn't that significant in terms of what is being done. I mean, this is about re-establishing a relationship between the community or the communities ourselves, but also a relationship with government. And I think, and you know, I've heard this morning, as I have in the last 10 months, many, many community voices saying that um, it's the greatest sense of optimism and hope they've seen out of any government for a significant amount of time, and I think it's an opportunity we've got to capture whilst it's on, whilst it's on the table. So, like I'm feeling invigorated, as I always do with our mob, um, I feel challenged, but I also feel supported. And I think, you know, collectively, if we're able to continually challenge and support each other through the next six months, you know, our time and our legacy will be worth looking back on in terms of what we leave for our children and grandchildren.
0: And too deadly that you are leading the way against uh, other states and territories around Australia. That must feel good,
1: Jason. Yeah, Yeah, well it is good and, um, you know, not for the first time, the Victorian Aboriginal community is leading the Aboriginal Affairs Agenda on a national level. I mean, we've done it before, we're doing it again and I've got no doubt we're doing it into the future. And that's why I think um, this moment's a particularly special one. Uh, for the mob to be able to help you know, grasp and drive, you know, in partnership with government, and that's ultimately what needs to get done here. One party without the other can't do this, so we need both parties to come through together. And I've got no doubt, as we know, every other state and territory is looking at us, particularly from an Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander point of view, but also from a political point of view. And uh, There will be a day where we put our fingerprint on a treaty agreement, and I think every other state and territory will be once again envious of the leadership that our mob has shown here in Victoria. Jason, thanks for your time today. My
2: pleasure.
3: Celeste Haldane, Vancouver, British Columbia from Musqueam and Metlakatla. And my role here is a speaker as I represent the British Columbia Treaty Commission.
0: So Aboriginal Victoria have brought you all this way to come and talk treaty with our local mob. So how do you feel about that?
3: I'm actually quite excited because I think there's some really innovative things happening within community when it comes to the treaty conversation and really figuring out self-determination and how to move communities forward and I think that conversation is extremely important being an Indigenous or Aboriginal person myself having these conversations in community to really set and build that solid foundation is extremely important so I'm quite pleased to be here
0: And self-determination the word itself was raised in the forum just then about the whole process of self-determination with local Aboriginal people and uh, how, how are we? You know, doing in this process, I guess, if Aboriginal Victoria are pushing for a treaty that was raised, yeah.
3: It was, and I think self determination Mm. is an important and fundamental uh, principle of nation to nation engagement, which is really ultimately a treaty and reconciliation, and ensuring that nations are the ones that are self determining who they are and who they represent as they move forward in the process. It's how we empower Indigenous or Aboriginal communities to come together and decision-make and move forward to ensure that they're creating a better future and a stronger future for the next generations to come. Are we on the right
0: track, do you think, doing things right here in Victoria to one day make a
3: treaty? Well, I think there's a lot of promise that could be um, captured, and it's really up to... The Aboriginal groups to determine what that future looks like and ensuring that they are partnering in, in good ways with government. And I think, you know, ensuring that they're not, um, there aren't going to be any hindrances, I think will be important. But again, it's really supporting nations and capacity building and getting nations or Indigenous or Aboriginal communities to the place that they need to be in order to build themselves up with education, with skills and training, with health economic development and ensure that they're actually a part of decision making and I think that's what treaty can bring about.
2: Kia ora, my name's Calvin Jones, I'm from Aotearoa New Zealand, I'm a Maori man from an Iwi or people called Ngati Kahununu Uh, and I teach at the law school at Victoria University in Wellington and I've been involved with my own community in uh, dealing with treaty settlement issues so working on the historical claims under our own Treaty of Waitangi.
0: How do you think we are going with the process of forming a treaty right here in Victoria? Are we doing things right?
2: Well, I think that one of the really important things is that I see in the room today there's a lot of, a lot of passion and people feel very strongly about having a say in the process and I think that's going to be really important to make sure that people are, are involved and are engaged and are brought along to, to get, and are empowered through this process to get to decisions that the, that the communities want.
0: What sort of things can we learn from your treaty in New Zealand to help us here in Victoria?
2: Yeah, so it's quite a different context, of course, because we, we, we signed our treaty in 1840, and so we've been going through a process from the mid-1970s of looking at claims and settlement under that treaty. And I think, actually, some of the processes that we've seen in our settlement of historical claims are similar to the ones that... that will need to be addressed and dealt with in terms of thinking about mandate and representation and how that works. Uh, and I don't think I, I think we have some, some real issues in the way in which we've addressed those in, in Aotearoa, And I think part of that is to do with um, that, that we haven't had enough Māori input into the design of those processes that uh, the parameters, if you like, have been set a lot by government. So I, that's what I, why I say I think it's really great to see the community participation here, and I hope that that really is what, what drives the, the design of this process here.
0: But something I'm also hearing from community members in the forum today is that there is not perhaps enough consultation with mm. community, mm. Uh, not only in Melbourne, but around uh, communities in Victoria
2: yeah and it 's a really it 's a really difficult process um, to make sure that you are engaged with community and uh, partly it, it is just to take the time to keep working on it to, the more people talk about it and the more people go back to their families and discuss with them that you build up a bit of momentum by doing it. so long as you always uh, maintain that openness to for participation and you you work to support people to engage. I think that was one of the concerns that I heard uh, in the Carolina earlier was that that perhaps there hadn't been enough to support the kind of engagement that would be, be really helpful uh, for this process. So those are things that I think are really
0: useful. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm now joined by Dr Mark McMillan from Melbourne University Law School. Now tell me why you're here to speak on the Treaty International Panel as a Wiradjuri man in Melbourne
4: the way I'm taking it what I've, when I accepted the invitation was that we are international as mobs in Australia. We are lots of nations and we've been doing the international forever. So this notion that somehow we were the first international, we know that. If everything was, you know, as a matter of time and history, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations were here and preceded even Western constructions of thought, then we've been international by any definition from when we emerged. So that's why I'm here, to talk about... Everybody wants to talk what goes on overseas rather than how do we actually conduct these international relationships across our own sovereign borders, not the sovereign borders of the colonial state.
0: And how would we actually do that? Well,
4: I think existing we do do that. Um, One of those things that we do every day and when we're acknowledging where we're on, uh, where we're at... Um, is basically the compliance to our own international customs of how we treat each nation. So when we act as sovereign peoples, you know, as wherever we're from, and it's our obligation to acknowledge that we're on somewhere else, That that's law, that's international law, but it's ours. And so it's how we've been... We've got to reorient what international is or expand its it's already imposed limitations to say we have been treating with each other since time immemorial. The fact that there are different nations in Australia, clans, communities, whatever you want to call them, suggests that we've already had international relationships and those are still in place.
0: And it's so important for us to get this treaty right here in Victoria, isn't it? We do want to get it right as as the TOs do, as Aboriginal Victoria do want to get it right. How important is it for us to consult with people from the First Nations and from uh, New Zealand on their treaties and what we can learn, I guess, from their past, from their mistakes and what things they did well? Yeah.
4: I think that there's the logic in that. They've done it. But they've done it in a way that we're seeking to do it. It's not just intra-Aboriginal or intra Maori tribes. It's how do you actually work with the colonial state or the settler state in actually acknowledging and acting sovereign. So it's not just, say, what they give to us, it, and that's their lessons. It's what would they do better. Like the British Columbia Treaty process, I mean, I think that's going to be a really illuminating uh, moment, I think, for a lot of blackfellas to say... It's not just about one nation and the state, or it's about how First Nations talk to each other in how they engage with the state, but as sovereigns. And it's, it is a very different conversation. The settlement under the uh, Waitangi uh, Treaty is really important, so Carwin's explanations about what they've learned, because they're still doing uh, The signing is just the beginning. It's not the end. So, and these things are always constant negotiations. So how do you build into your mistakes, learn from them, and then what do you do within those processes to actually go forward again?
0: You, of course, were involved on the, one of the first panels at the Treaty Forum back in May, at the end of May 2016. You're here again now. What are your thoughts on where we're at in the current process of treaty right now? What are your personal thoughts on where things are at Is it quite clear, the
4: road that we are taking for a treaty? I think the... Personally, I think there's... uh, As somebody not from Victoria, as Wiradjuri, I go, I'm looking at to see how we might want to do this internal to our own nation and certainly in um, New South Wales. But I think there's also been some glaring holes that I think it's pretty easy to um, fill... And I think it's just a matter of being taken out of the busy work. And I think it's that if there's one thing that is is obvious, but I think also dangerous, is speed. Here they're trying to shore up um, the political aspects, so we need this sort of lockdown bipartisan legislative thing, hopefully before the next election. Um, how do we speed up and get with mobs? How do we consult in all of these? When, in fact, as a Wiradjuri person, the practice of Injamara, which is slow down, be wise, go slow be respectful Um, I think how we insert more of those cultural ways of knowing into a process um, in and amongst ourselves I think hopefully will be a lesson for us all but I admire this mob for having a go it's a political moment, they've seized it They've they've taken that bull by the horns and they are making the best of it and of course it's been willing to be in it um, and to be able to make those mistakes I think is the thing that must be must be celebrated the most.
0: And I do remember in the last forum, uh, the former Attorney-General, Mr Rob Holes, did speak to community members and uh, basically said something along the lines of, uh, you know, it's important that we take this opportunity and seize it while well, we can because we don't know yep. when this opportunity may or may not come again. So... That's um, quite positive words from a former Attorney-General.
4: Yeah. It is, but it also imposes an obligation on us to do things in their timeframes. Everything is a political moment, you know. whether it was the Aborigines Advancement League, whether it was APSIC, whether it was... We've got the Heritage Council, we've got RAPS, we've got LINS, we've got all of these representative structures already in Victoria, and yet we're saying that this is now a particular moment. It is a particular moment, but it's one of many political moments that Aboriginal Victorians have seized upon, the Corran Dirk Inquiry, all of these things Victoria has a particular Aboriginal history of leaderships in political moments, this is another one of those, um, but it's, it's kind of patronising when you're told as Aboriginal people, well you know this is a really important moment for us, I think it's a bigger moment for white people and I think how they seize this political moment is more where Rob Hull should be talking not to blackfellas about you know this could not go on might not happen and it's like well if it doesn't happen it's the consequences for white people not us
0: that was dr mark mcmillan associate professor melbourne law school and before that you also heard from celeste haldane a lawyer and the acting chief commissioner bc treaty commission and you also heard from jason midsford the executive director of aboriginal victoria Coming up in just a moment, you'll hear from Tarnene Onis Williams, a member of the Aboriginal Treaty Interim Working Group in Victoria. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Kerry Lee Harding. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to exclusive audio recorded live from back in December 2016 at the Aboriginal Victoria Forum on Treaty and Self Determination. This week in Melbourne, we continue to see the state government agency, Aboriginal Victoria, engage with our local community members on a VIC treaty and what a formal treaty may actually mean in real terms for our local Indigenous community members. To hear this program and others from our Earth Matters team, the various podcasts can be downloaded from our 3CR community radio website at (laughs) earthmatters.org.au. So a part of my role
5: is to ensure that youth are represented on the group and that their voices are prioritised and also just helping with consultations around the state, which we've been doing, we had been doing for two months, so November and October, and that has been my role in the group and also just trying to give our expertise in what the community... Um, yeah, consultations should grow like, I guess. Not an easy job, ASIS. No, it's not, <laughs> especially as a young person as well. It's really hard to try and have your voice heard and prioritise when there's lots of, you know, older people who've been involved in Aboriginal affairs for such a long time. And I think, you know, you've got people sitting around the room like Jill Gallagher and Annie Muriel Bamber who've been working in Aboriginal organisations for, you know, 30 or 40 years. And then there's me, who's just, like, been around for, like, hardly even 10. So (laughs) it's a very interesting
0: dynamic, but it's been a really good learning curve. So I understand that the Victorian government would like to shore up a treaty process, if you like, uh, into legislation by about mid-next year in terms of a timeline. Do you think that's achievable? Um, it's a really,
5: the process is going really quickly, even quickly, like more quicker than I would have thought, and even what personally I prefer. Um, I hope that it will be achievable, and obviously it is not going to be the most, it's not going to be the perfect process. I don't think any process it will be, um, but it's about how can we achieve and, you know community voices from the consultations and the legislation will take a year or two to finish up anyway. So I think negotiation periods aren't until 2019 possibly. Mm.
0: What are some of the key outcomes that you've heard from the consultations with Aboriginal members around Victoria? Um, I think a lot of it has
5: been like we've been talking about today, unity, because there's lots of infighting um, amongst our mob, um, which follows on from divide and Conquer, and I think also um, our culture as well needs to be prioritised in the process and how that's represented, and I think people just want the process to go as easily and smoothly as it can, which is, is totally not even... Not even
0: yeah it's <laughs> not even comical is no. it?
5: but um, I think people are just loving um, that we are going to the communities and asking them what they want their representative body to look like or so I think when we went to the communities I've been to four or five consultations and people were surprised that we'd asked them oh what do you want this to look like they just thought we had a few models and we are just going to be like, oh, pick out these three. But it was nice that people felt empowered in having a choice in what their rep body would look like.
0: So for those people listening on the radio now who haven't been present at this recent Aboriginal Victoria Forum, how would you update them as to where the treaty process is now?
5: Um, so at the moment we've just finished consultations on what the rep body should look like. I think at the, then the next stage... Um, next year would be about forming the structure of how the, organi- or how the organisation would look and taking it back to community as well. And because no decisions really are being made without community. So yeah.
0: And how are young people, your friends, your peers, if you like, feeling about this whole process of treaty being done in Victoria? Um,
5: I think young people are definitely scared. They, I think, the fact that the treaty is going to be domestic. I think a young, a lot of young people are really confused. Um, domestic treaty is one with services, which um, I think that's kind of the way that's going at the moment. But um, I think young people are a bit scared and confused, but excited as well. But also want to make sure that culture is at the forefront of. The, of and the consultations.
0: There was one woman in the forum this morning who uh, at question time raised her hand and said that she would like to see more of our youth being empowered and educated on the issue of treaty and self-determination and what this actually means in terms of the treaty process. Is this something that you would like to see um, for our young ones, Taneen? Yeah, I
5: definitely think, even just for all black followers, I think the process is very academic. Um, Even for me, I'm not an academic and trying to understand navigate my way through a world that is very academic is extremely hard and I think young people or just black holes in general need to be educated about these white
0: processes that are essentially going to represent us. So how are you feeling personally about uh, treating now? Um I've been, over the
5: last seven months or six months I've been on the group, between up and down. I've thought about um, not even going into negotiation with the government because um, does it negotiate, does it compromise our sovereignty? Because um, some people see treaty differently. They see it um, as two sovereign bodies and the government aren't sovereign. So how can we negotiate treaty with them? So I was at one of those points. Then I was thinking, oh, how are we going to move forward? If we don't have a treaty, what is going to happen if we don't have one? So I think I'm just back and forth through both because it's really um, it's really hard for me personally to try and it's really hard for me personally to try and um, sit in the group when it doesn't represent what I personally think and what I feel in my heart is right.
0: to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network across Australia with Kerry lee Harding and the Earth Matters podcasts from our team can be downloaded from earthmatters.org.au. Today on the program you heard exclusive interviews recorded live from back in 2016 at the Aboriginal Victoria Forum on Treaty and Self-Determination held at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. Earth Matters was produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and is broadcast nationally on community radio stations around the country, thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. If you would like to get in touch with us, mob, at Earth Matters, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthM Radio. If you'd like to listen or share this or previous editions of the Earth Matters show, you can find all our podcasts at 3cr.org.au Earth Matters. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thanks so much for your company. And Earth Matters will be back again next week with more deadly green and social justice news from all across this awesome planet. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. I'll see you next time.